host, Elian Shanks. I'm the Artistic Director of the Drama League, and welcome to In Conversation, our digital video series and podcast where we sit down with the most influential and exciting directors working today. If you'd like to see more, you can visit us at dramaleague.org and click on Digital Series, or you can just search for The Drama League wherever you find your podcasts. We are recording this at the end of April 2020 in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic. And I am very excited to say that all of the artists who are appearing in our series during this time are donating their time and talent to help us raise funds to support directors and their families who have suffered during this time. So if you'd like to make a donation, please join us at dramaleague.org and do so. You'll find a link there to our emergency relief fund for directors and their families, as well as all of our programming that we're doing to help artists and audiences in this time. I am very excited today to speak with Desdemona Chang. Desdemona is one of the most interesting artists working in our field today to me. Um, I, not only is she a stunning director, but the breadth of her work. She does new plays and musicals and revivals and classics and theater for young audiences. And she works in a wide variety of cities and communities. I think she is one of the few directors having as large an impact on as many people as she's having in the country. So I'm really excited to talk to you and welcome back my friend and Drama League alum, Desdemona Chang. Desdemona, hi, how are you? Hi, Gabriel, it's good to be here. It's so good to see you. Where are you? Are you spending the pandemic somewhere fun? Where did you end up? Uh, I'm actually in Ashland, Oregon right now. Um, it's, it's one of my two homes. I'm based out of Seattle and Ashland, so Pacific Northwest. Terrific, terrific. Well, I want to get into talking about the wide variety of work you do. You, you are based in those two cities, but I know the story, and I think I'd love to begin by talking about how you came to be involved in theater. Um, it's a really amazing story. Would you mind sharing that story with sure, us? Sure. Um, I, you know, I came to theater pretty late in life. I feel like when you talk to most folks who came into theater, they have some story about how they went to see like Cinderella when they were five years old, or they were like a snowflake in their school production or something, right? Uh, I was never really involved in theater growing up. Um, I was a very science-based child. I was gonna be a doctor. Uh, so I really didn't do much in the arts, um, performing arts rather. Um, uh, I was uh, attending my first year at the University of California at Berkeley, um, where I was a biology major. And the guidance counselor told me that I had to take an arts requirement. Like I couldn't take only science classes. And so all of my friends in the bio department told me that there was this class in the drama department called Intro to Acting. And it was like a joke class. It was an easy A. You, no papers, no lectures. You stand in a circle and play this game called Zip Zap Zop. And you play freeze tag. And it's such a joke. Totally do it. You'll ace it. And so I did. I took that class. I played Zip Zap Zop. Uh, I didn't take any quizzes, no tests, no lectures, and I aced that class. Um, but that class was also the first time I found myself being vulnerable. Um, I was playing a lot. Um, I was a very serious kid growing up. I didn't really have much of a sense of humor. Um, and I started making friends. It, we, I mean, like I had friends, but I found, my, I found myself bonding with other like non-majors in a way that I didn't expect. Um, and so I thought, well, that was fun. 
uh, I guess I'll take another class, right? So I took then a second class uh, called Character and Scene Study. And then that class led to a class in Shakespeare, which led to a class in directing, which then led to a class, right? So by the end of my time at college, I had taken enough drama classes to declare a second major. So I ended up graduating with a major in biology and a major in theater, never really thinking that I would actually do theater um, professionally because people worry about like, you know, the viability of that as a career and my parents uh, would be just shamed, <laughs> I guess, if I did that. Um, but uh, once I graduated, um, I went through a really, uh, a really tough time after graduation, like, you know, your quarter life crisis, don't know what to do, what is my life about, what am I doing? And thinking back, I realized I was the most happy and the most myself when I was working in theater and directing. And so I said, okay, I guess, I guess I'll do that. Um, so I kind of took the plunge and decided that I should apply to graduate school. Um, I think because I didn't know what else to do at the time. Like I didn't know what the path was towards a professional career in directing. I had no connections. I was like preparing to be a doctor when that didn't pan out. <laughs> so um, I applied to graduate school and got into the University of Washington in Seattle. And then that took me to Seattle. And that's oh, where, I was, where I've been for the past 15 years or so. Um, yeah, so now I'm now I'm working. <laughs> was the plan to always stay in Seattle as a as a home base, or or did that just evolve um, gradually? You know, it's interesting. Seattle, um, the Seattle community. There's a strong tie between the University of Washington and the professional community in Seattle. So for me, it was a really smooth entry point into working locally in Seattle. Um, I grew up in California, and so I'd always thought I'd go back to California. And there was a brief moment where I had finished grad school and gone back to San Francisco. And I was living in San Francisco for about a couple of years and then just couldn't afford the rent <laughs> at the time. So I went back to Seattle. And now Seattle is just, you know, like crazy expensive now. But at the time, it was really, really pricey to be in San Francisco. Um, so I ended up going back to Seattle and then decided to be based out of Seattle while I pursued um, this directing career. Yeah. Well, and you know, when I, when I think about you, I, I don't, see you in the flesh very often because <laughs> you don't work in New York uh, no, as often as some. Little, actually, yeah. Yeah, but you're always working and, and it's such a joy to follow your career because you are in theaters all over America. So like when I, when I, it's interesting to me that you landed there after grad school because I think of you as such a national presence. Let's see, there's something really, like I feel like, are there are moments where I feel like I'm a bit of a unicorn because most national folks with national careers tend to be based out of New York City, and um, I, I do have to say, like I, I knew I, I knew I wanted a national career. I wasn't sure if I would get one unless I moved to New York. You know, uh, I didn't know how to do it really. Um, being based on the West Coast and the fact that for whatever reason. Uh, the flow of work, the flow of attention, where the, where the eye is looking when it comes to New York, we don't really look westward very often. We're always looking at New York, right? Like we're looking what's coming out of Broadway, what's coming out of off-Broadway, um, what's coming out of the new play centers in New York City. And that, the work tends to travel from east to west. And so I always thought um, being based on the west coast, and there was a moment in my life where I thought I would move to New York, um, but that was prior to graduate school. I mean, once I finished grad school, I was into my 30s and I just didn't have the stamina or the finances to try to make it in New York. Um, 
So I wasn't entirely sure if the national career was something that was entirely possible, um, but it's something I've always wanted. You know? Well, um, I think there's going to be so many directors who watch this who are curious about how you what, what yeah. the design of that was, because I think uh, we do look to New York, but I think less and less so. Um, and I and I think we you know careers like yours are part of what have done that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think we're also um, looking at a interest in speaking wider as directors, speaking mm-hmm. to different communities. And so, you know, did this, I don't know, did this just happen? Or was there, did, was there some kind of plan that you put in place where, how, how did you meet these companies? I know you're also on the national board of SDCs and you're well connected inside our community, but I'm really, I think a lot of people would be curious, how did you do that if that's what you wanted to do? Yeah. Um... I don't want, I mean, without getting too, um, like, advertising, I do think Drama League was a huge part in my, my launching off point. Um, being, so once I finished graduate school, um, what I vowed to myself is that I would never let what happened to me after undergrad happen to me after graduate school, right? After I finished undergrad, I was going through this phase of, like, what do I do? I'm so lost. I feel like I was, you know, in such a safe place. And I'm like thrust in the cold hard world of professionalism. And I told myself that I would do everything I could to, to keep that from being the case after grad school. So I was really vigilant about um, applying to fellowships and programs. I applied to, you know, Williamstown. I applied to Drama League. I applied to OSF. I applied to any program. And I, at the time, I didn't have anything keeping me in Seattle, right? I, I, didn't, I didn't have a mortgage, I didn't have children, I didn't have, right, so that, I think that was one of the, one of the circumstances of my life that enabled me to travel the way I've been able to travel, to go where I wanted to go in my, in my early 30s, in my late 20s, um, and I think what Drama League did for me was the two jobs that I was, I was in the Fall Fellowship in 2011, and the two theaters I was placed in, or the two directors I assisted, rather, Joe Hodge was one of them. Um, and Joe ended up giving me my first Lord contract like two years later at Playmakers Rep in North Carolina. And I, there was no way I would have gotten from Seattle to Chapel Hill without <laughs> Drama League. You know, that's like, how do, you, how do you make, how do you break those geographical boundaries, right? Were it not for programs with the intent of placing directors in those regions. Um, so that was one um, particular, uh, like that was a big boon for me. And then the second person I assisted was Gordon Edelstein. Um, and I assisted Gordon on a show at Rattlestick in New York, but he was running Long Wharf at the time. Um, and then, you know, five years later, I get a phone call inviting me to go direct at Long Wharf. And so in some ways, it's a little bit like plant the seeds today and the trees will grow, you know, in a few years. I didn't, I never got jobs right out of the, out, out of the gate, right, with any kind of fellowship program. Um, I kept planting seeds here and there. Um, I had a fellowship with OSF. Um, I got a, 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 one of the developmental fellowships with SDC. Um, I attended TCG conferences. I found myself going to a lot of places through various training programs um, because there's no other way to insert myself into those places, right, without some kind of institutional support. Um, well, and I, you know, I mean, it, it, thank you for the compliment about the drama league and, and all of that. And, and I think you're right about all of that. The other piece that I think is unique to you, though, and something I'd love to have you speak on, I, you know, maybe you're not the only one, but um, 
I, I was lucky enough to see you do Chekhov at Director Fest in 2011. <laughs> and so many people try to use that moment at the Drama League as a moment to do a new play. Or, or you know, and you told the world, I can do classics. Um, and then as I watched your career, you're doing new play work, you're doing um, revivals, you were doing musicals, you were doing plays for young um, You seem um, to have a breadth that I don't see a lot of um, early career directors even aspire to. You can really do it all. Was it, Am I right in identifying that you like, uh, you don't see yourself as a specialist in one narrow, st that you can do a lot of things? I actually don't. It's, it's tricky because I actually, when people say, oh, what's a Desmond aesthetic? I was like, ah, oh, that's a really good question. Uh, I feel like I know what's interesting to me as, as, uh, as far as curating work goes, um, but I, I'm just so averse to the idea of a monoculture or a, yeah. a, like specialization to me. There was some, I and mean, I think because I came from biology, this idea that I had to be a master at what I, at one thing was always like, oh, I could never do that. So let me just do everything. Let me just do everything moderately well. I <laughs> 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 had to be the best at one thing. Um, so I think that's probably why I, and also I, I've always been interested in doing what I haven't done before, you know. Um, is that what draws you? I mean, if we're, if we're gonna um, assume that there isn't a common thread uniting all of Desdemona Chang's work, what, how do you choose? What, how do you pick the work you choose to do? What draws you? Yeah. If, there's something, if there's something new to be mined from it, if there's an opportunity to shed some light on either you know, a, a new issue, a new demographic, or a reinterpretation of an old issue, um, I'm interested in bringing something that has has never been seen before, right? Um, and even when it comes to, you know, theater for young audiences, um, this past year I did a, a production of Snow White at the Children's Theater in Seattle, and it was a Snow White adapted for two actors. Um, and we had a woman of color playing Snow White. Uh, it was not a new story. It was a new take on a very well-known story, but it was an opportunity for me to tell a different version of what this tale was and to challenge conventional wisdom and what are we really teaching our children today, right? So when it comes to classics, I'm not interested in telling what is conventional wisdom. I'm really interested in what is the other side? What is the story we're not seeing classics or what has been neglected in the classical canon? Um, or is there a way to tell this differently? And I think part of that comes from the fact that, you know, I have an immigrant background um, and that I, I'm always interested in what is on the other side of something. Growing up, I've always felt like not part of the mainstream. I've always felt very, um, I don't want to say marginalized, but I felt like I was, I was clear. I never felt normal in the way that I felt um, like, oh yeah, I can, I can audition for the cheerleading team. Like I totally feel like a cheerleader. Or I totally feel like prom or right. Whatever, whatever Americana was for me growing up, I never felt that way. Um, so I, I've always been really interested in the, uh, the, the other side of, any one particular story. That I really, I, yeah, I think so. It makes a lot of sense to me. And, you know, in, in the way that you always talk so humbly about your work, you know, you actually won the Vilsic Prize for, uh, what is it, Creative Promise Good in the Theater, for, which is an award for immigrant artists. And I'm, you know, I'm curious where your experience as an immigrant and your experience as a director meet. Um, mm -hmm. it, you know, you're telling all these varied stories, but that is a perspective which sort of um, electrifies your work, I think. 
Yeah, uh, it, it means I tend to be really sympathetic towards villains, I guess. I'm not saying that immigrant, uh, an immigrant culture is about villainy, but I'm just saying I, te I, I tend to not take sides. It's really hard for me to take a side on a particular issue when it comes to presenting a, a piece of theater. I'm really interested in the question that comes up um, and that there are no villains in any piece that I make. There are only people with problems, <laughs> right? And you, and you as an audience member get to decide what side you want to take on a particular issue. Um, and if anything, um, I guess that's probably the biggest part of my, my immigrant upbringing is uh, I don't take any one point of view for granted. Um, yeah, and, and strangely, like, really empathetic to, yeah. <laughs> to a lot of unsavory characters. Well, and also I think if we judge our characters, the audience doesn't have anything to do. Like, like if, you know, I'm, I'm completely bored by shows that, that tell me who the good guys are and the bad guys are. Well, I, I already know. There's nothing surprising. Right? What I, lo I, I love plays where the good guys actually aren't as good as we thought they were. Yeah. Like, I love plays where I feel like, oh, I really like this person. This person is flawed. Or like the villain, I, I suddenly find myself really feeling for the villain, right? Whatever the villain is. The, there's something about that, right? Because no one we meet in real life is that black or white, right? Um, yeah. People say, oh, Hitler loved dogs. I'm like, well, whatever. <laughs> That's like a joke that people make, right? Hitler loved dogs, what are you gonna do? Um, so I'm really interested in plays that, that uh, I guess that highlight that complexity and that difficulty. Um, yeah. Do you feel as an, as an artist uh, and as an immigrant, the theater it has supported your, your vision? Um, I often feel like, when I see work by artists who are immigrants, it really excites me. It expands things mm -hmm. in me. Just the even if the work itself is not, it expands me. And I uh, I often wonder why we aren't asking for more voices uh, from uh, from artists who are immigrants to our country. Did, uh, you know, could the field do more? What are What are you seeing in in your career as an artist that's bringing that to I don't, dozens of cities at this point, I think you've worked in across the nation. Yeah, I actually think the field doesn't know what it doesn't know. You know, mm -hmm. like, unless you go looking for it. And I think in some ways, I think the theater is also a little lazy. <laughs> I think the theater, right? And I think when it comes to a lot of times the things that drive work to be made isn't about the work. It's about who's financing the work whose friend is writing or generating the work. Um, and I think, you know, in the same way that I've always thought like, well, friends hire friends in the theater, friends produce friends in the theater. And so I think as much as the theater says it wants to take risks, it's actually really, it's actually pretty risk averse in many ways. So, I mean, honestly, if folks wanted to have more immigrant stories, I think this, the short answer is you can totally can do it. I don't think folks, and I say folks, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not trying to pinpoint or target anybody in particular, but I do think generally speaking, it takes a lot of work. And most of the time folks don't have enough time or energy to do that work, right? It's the same question I get around, how do we hire more diverse people? I'm like, can you do it? Right. It'll work a little harder, right? And it just takes, okay, but when the bulk of producers probably aren't immigrants, um, they don't know where to start. And they don't know who to talk to. And then that just feels like suddenly like, oh, I have to like go into the void and like 
start getting into communities I don't understand and start facing barriers. I just can't be bothered. I got a, I got a, you know, um, a, a, a budget to balance. I got donors to appeal to. I don't have time to do all this R and D. I, I don't. Um, I, I hear you. I think that's true. I also think it's utter BS. Like, call the drama league. I have, <laughs> I have hundreds of directors that I can tell you about. You know, um, I just, I yes, it is work. It's not, it's not as hard as people make it out to be. You, yeah. You know, there are resources, and I think especially in non-new um, play work in, you know, if we are going to see Kiss Me Kate or, or, you know, Death of the Salesman one more time at our theaters, it, it behooves us in the theater to see it through someone's viewpoint that is not our own. And so, um, you know, I, I hear you. I think it's truth. I think it's an obstacle for artists who are immigrants, but it's lazy thinking. It's, it's actually not very hard. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, and, and the other question too is I think for right like if you were to talk to an immigrant playwright or immigrant director do they want to redo Kiss Me Kate like right. do they want to is that is that where they want to center their energy like oh I want to spend my life like decentering whiteness and like by right. using the canon by I want to use the canon to decenter whiteness like is that what I want to do with my time so I don't know so I mean it it, it just so happened that you know um at the in the period when I was getting my training, right, like EDI was not part of my training. Like I was being trained twenty years ago. <laughs> EDI was we didn't talk about diversity. And when I was in college, I was like auditioning for things and wasn't getting cast. And I, you know, I was functioning from a pretty meritocratic place. So I thought, oh, I must really suck if I'm like getting cast in noises off. Well, <laughs> desire I must be a really bad actor mm -hmm. so like implicit bias like all that stuff was not I didn't have the tools to that for to, to understand those ideas right so I think now I think which is probably why I I was so insistent to do um classics there's a sense of like well I want to do the thing that for the bulk of my life institutions told me I couldn't do I'm gonna prove to you that I can do them I would do it on my terms right um so I don't know. I mean, that's probably why the, a bulk of my uh, of my work is in classical work. And my name is Desdemona, so I felt like I had to do Shakespeare. Um, but but the question of you know what do immigrant directors and playwrights today want to do, right? And I think you can find multiple viewpoints on that. Like, do you want to work on the canon and like flip the canon, or do you want to start your own canon, right? And right. I think that's always been like the big. Um, like the big uh, uh, like division between those you know the conversation instead of the conversation around yeah and I, I just believe the artistic leaders of this country should ask yeah. uh, they they will answer if if they are if the door is open to that conversation um, so let's let's have a little fun um, uh, <laughs> so you know as I was you know I've followed your career for many years, I, and I did some research to go further back, and I just, I got a little dazzled at the, the things you've done. Um, and it makes me curious, what's on your bucket list? Um, what are you dying to direct that you haven't yet? What do you want to do? Um, I, I have such mixed feelings around this, but I do want to direct like every single play in Shakespeare's canon. <laughs> I, huh? and, and I and I I may be like a third of the way through. 
You've directed um, a bunch of Shakespeare. I've done a bunch of Shakespeare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I've always wanted to do like all the plays. Um, and I don't know whether that's because of, of my namesake or because like I had such a traumatizing experience with Shakespeare the first time I read it and I was just determined to like, it's like my white whale in some ways. Um, at the same time, I have moments where I feel like, why am I focusing on Shakespeare? There's better things to do with my time. Like, why am I fixated on that guy of all guys? Um, but it, but it is, weirdly is one of my like fascinations and like I feel a bit of annoyance at myself for this wanting to wanting to do this but yeah <laughs> I think when Shakespeare gets in your blood it's hard to get it out um and it is good I mean you can't you can't argue that the guy is really good it's not he's not always great but you know it's pretty good stuff yeah. yeah is there one that you haven't done yet that you're like that's the one I'd like to do next um it, these stories come and go depending on where I am in my life and what's happening to me in my life. Um, for a long time, I wanted to do King Lear. When my grandfather was dying, I wanted to do King Lear. Um, and I feel like now that's still something that I want to do. My grandfather passed like four years ago. Um, but my grandmother is now is getting up there. And there's, there's something about how we how we handle aging parents and family and what is our obligations to them. That's still, it cycles through as people in my life, as family members get older and this idea of caregiving um, and, um, and kind of tolerance for their status and their and, 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 and obliged reverence to them, even though they can be real jerks sometimes, <laughs> um, still continues to be a thing that kind of it's been it's been at me for several years now and I think maybe that's probably the most pressing one I'm interested in doing yeah. great I can't wait to see your Merry Wives of Windsor <laughs> me too <laughs> <laughs> uh what about uh artists who aren't dead are there people working today designers playwrights that that you would just love your dream collaborators yeah I've wanted to work with Mimi Lian for Ever. I think she's her her designs are so smart and every time I get a regional theater gig I go can you ask her anyway I know she's like busy she's had a baby and let's ask anyway and I've just gotten no 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 every time but she's on my list um and it's and I don't have many designers on that list but she's one of them um I'm just I'm just so struck by her aesthetic um Hansel Young is a playwright that I'm really interested in working with um I I've read a, a number of her plays and um, I was blown away by her adaptation of Romeo and Juliet. That was part of the OSF, the Play On series. Um, so she's someone that I'm really interested in getting to. I mean, I know quite a bit about and I actually don't know her personally, but she's a playwright that I've, I've wanted to direct for a while. Terrific. So we're about out of time, but I want to ask you one final thing, and I'm asking all the directors in the In Conversation series um, to have a conversation with your younger self. Um, if you could think back to those earliest moments of being a director, um, something you wish you knew then that you know now, what would you love, one piece of advice you'd love to tell your younger self? Oh yeah, that's easy, that one's easy. Um, don't wait for permission. Oh, can you talk about that a little? That's great. Yeah, I, I, even when I knew I wanted to be a director, I didn't, I didn't, do it. I didn't go for it. I was afraid that it wasn't, there's, there was so much fear, right? Because fear is oftentimes the thing that gets in the way of us being our best selves. Um, but the fear of it not being uh, the, uh, uh, an admirable career choice, uh, the fear of it being culturally unacceptable, 
um, I, I was looking for a sign from somebody, from my family, from, I don't know, friends or something. I was looking for, I was waiting for permission for this to be okay, right? That it was okay for me to be a director, okay for me to pursue a life in theater, uh, as opposed to saying, do it and deal with the consequences once you make that choice. Like, don't wait for someone else to approve the choices that you want to make. Right. And, I, and at the time I was learning, I didn't learn about accountability. I, I wasn't sophisticated enough to understand like my like to be accountable for failure. So I was so afraid and I was waiting for someone to to approve this. This feeling that I had. I think it's so I, I think that's one of my favorite things I've heard, not only because I think we all wrestle with per, the idea of permission around being a creative artist. Um, How dare you be creative? Like, there are better things to do with your time and your yes, life. because it's so devalued. <laughs> when did you decide to give yourself permission? I, I assume you did. <laughs> I mean, you're here. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I don't know what it was. I think I just woke up one day. It had been five years I, after I graduated. I was, it was five years out of school. I had done everything except actually do it. I had, like done a bunch of small plays. I had done stage readings. I was like, I had a full time. I mean, and I'm not saying that you can't have a day job, but I was fully invested in becoming a new media, like corporate.com person and was kind of like having an affair with the theater on the side. Instead of saying, you know what? Let's do that thing and make the money work on the, on the day job. Like, don't pretend I want to be this like corporate person and kind of like, you know, in, <laughs> in the dark cover of night, go and tech a show. Like own the fact that I want to tech the show, like own the fact that I want to do theater. And then the money thing with the money thing. I'll figure out the money thing. Yeah. If, um, if, if you don't make that switch in your head, there's no way to move forward. They, yeah, like, you'll, you'll always be there. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was probably, and I don't know. Oh, I don't think it was a particular like tipping point, but I, I mean, it could have been when I decided to apply for grad school, but that was, that was, yeah, <laughs> the moment, I guess. Well, that's great. Um, Desmona, it is so good to see you. Uh, thank you for this. I know you have tons of shows up in the air. I just want to tell everyone that you've got a great website if people want to know what you're up to. Sure, Yeah, not all directors have as healthily updated and focused um, <laughs> as yours. So for those of you who are wondering what your website should look like, go take a look at hers. Um, and I just want to thank you for, for all the work you're doing. Audiences all over America are really thankful for you. Thanks. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you, Donald. Thanks. Bye.